You're listening to Real People of Orange County, and I'm your host, Kimberly Martin. This show is a fun and informative look inside the lives of Orange County's best and brightest. These are people who serve their community in a meaningful capacity on KUCI 88.9 FM in Irvine. And welcome back. You are tuned in to Real People of Orange County on KUCI 88.9 FM in Irvine. We are broadcasting live from the University of California campus in Irvine. We're streaming on the web at KUCI.org. And we are always available via podcast, both on KUCI's website as well as KimberlyMartin.com. I'm your guest host, Marie Stone. As you know, we are dedicated to profiling the men and women in Orange County who are doing amazing things for their community. And um, I will warn you, today's topic is a little tough. Um, You know, I'm actually going to give sort of a formal disclaimer that the the subject matter of today's show may be disturbing to some listeners. Um, If you're listening with children, if you're sensitive to subjects relating to animals, um, I'm just going to put this listener discretion um, advisory out to you. Um, This is an issue I didn't really know much about. I still know very little about, so I'm here to learn alongside all of you. And this is the uh, dog meat trade, which I sort of peripherally knew existed in some countries, and I was shocked to find um, how prevalent it is here in the United States. So we're going to learn all about that today. With me now to talk about the dog meat trade is a dear friend of mine, Shelley Fitzpatrick, and her dear friend, Jessica Kim. Shelley is the founder of They Need Our Voice, Save Dogs, which is a Facebook site dedicated to raising awareness on the dog meat trade. She's also the founder of Fitzpatrick Emergency Animal Search and Rescue, dedicated to rescuing animals lost, abandoned, or in need of rescue. Um, she's the founder of Lost and Found Pets Laguna and Newport Beach, which is another Facebook site dedicated to finding lost pets and reuniting them with their families, and the founder of Lost Pets Palm Springs, um, the same thing out with um, out in Palm Springs. Um, her friend, Jessica Kim, is here visiting from South Korea. She is an animal rights activist. She lives in Busan, South Korea. And her two kids are here with us, too, out in the lobby, Leona and Sean. Jessica has protested against the dog meat trade in South Korea at Gupo Market, Busan Market, um, several other markets, and the Seoul Anti-Buknal Walk. The markets are all where they display live dogs, torture, and then sell them. She has met with the local South Korean politician recently who is in the fight to help us end the dog meat trade. Ladies, welcome. Thank you very Thank much. You. Thank Thanks you so, so much, much for coming on. So, Jessica, I'll um, I'll start with you. I kind of gave a little introduction, but um, tell us a little bit more, kind of about yourself, how you got interested in um, in animal activism, in the dog meat trade, and, and kind of take us into your world a little bit. Yeah, I lived in Los Angeles area until last year, and I got to know anti dog meat friends the ADF through Facebook then I really want to participate but at that time I was in Los Angeles area so just I just cheer them up sending some message through Facebook but since I moved to Busan Korea then actually I could participate so they were in South Korea when you when you found them through Facebook but you were here in the U.S. Oh yeah, I'm just visiting my son. Yeah, gotcha, mm-hmm. gotcha. And how long had that was last year or the year before? Uh, but actually, I started to participate the protesting this June. Oh wow! Yeah, yeah. Okay. I wasn't familiar with the just those kind of area, 
Busan. Yeah. I was very new. Uh, I'm Korean, but my my parents are Korean, but I was born in Japan, and, and I lived in United States for a long time. Okay, okay. Very interesting. Okay, we'll come back to that. Mm-hmm. There's going to be a lot to unpack there, I think. <laughs> <laughs> so, Shelley, how about you? How, I know you've been interested in animal rights for a very long time. Um, yes. Is this issue a fairly new one for you, or how did you get involved? It is as well. Um, it's fairly new for me as well. Maybe within the last year, I got involved in the cause just by seeing posts on Facebook that some of them were very graphic posts. And while I didn't really want to see them, I felt that I had to see them because what the dogs, you know, these little boy male dogs and female dogs were enduring was way worse than what I had to endure in seeing it. So I I started, you know, signing petitions, raising awareness. Um, That's when I started my Facebook site. And then I teamed up with a gal, Ginny Wu, of koreandogs.org, went up to San Francisco, helped her with the protest and some other great animal rights activists up there. And then it just kind of led into going to Los Angeles for another protest with Susan Campbell. And then I just wanted to keep doing more, right? And that's when I started the, um, I did the event in Laguna Beach, a protest there. Mm -hmm. So I had some great animal rights activists, volunteers joining me. My uh, family was there, my wife and friends were there. So uh, we were just raising awareness. And then the next step was just to go to Korea uh, because it is different, as Jessica said, when when you're there and you're really, you know, helping them and uh, supporting them in the fight, it, it just, it, it feels great, um, and you really get to see what's going on firsthand. For all we say about Facebook, it is an amazing way to bring awareness and attention to certain things that you otherwise would have no idea is out there. So, you know, yes, we all have our feelings about social media and how good it is and how bad it can be, but this is um, this is an amazing way to bring people together and, and raise awareness of issues that you otherwise wouldn't. Exactly, exactly. Did all of that come to you through being interested in other animal rights issues? Yes. How did you find it? Yes, um, because on my posts and the people that I'm friends with, it's sort of a big dog family. So it just kind of all started to just go down the path. I believe it was meant to go down uh, doing the animal rescue and the lost and found sites um, for pets. It just led me down that direction. So as soon as you see it, I just couldn't, couldn't let go of it. I had to jump in and help. Yeah. Yeah. So you're both going to have to educate me on this. Is this a primarily South Korean problem? Is it a full Asian problem? Tell me kind of the extent of of where this issue is centered. Yeah, so it's it is an Asian problem. Uh it's certainly, you know, it's very prevalent in China, probably number 1, South Korea number 2, Cambodia, Indonesia, Thailand. Uh so Asia, yes, and then even right here as well in the United States. Did you grow up, um, Jessica, in sort of an environment where it was not a big deal to, you know, find dog on the menus? Like, kind of tell me about the cultural um, feeling about this there. Um, I was born in Japan, so Japanese people don't eat dogs. But when I was holding my male Maltese dog when I was 10 years old, my grandma said when I lived in Jeju Island, Jeju Island is a small island, southern island in Korea. I used to eat it, eat one of those. She said so. I was so shocked. At the time, my grandmother (laughs) looked like a monster to me. (laughs) I was shocked, really. And then then found out, oh, Korean people eat dogs. Interesting. Mm -hmm. 
And they know they're, you know, it's not as though it's being passed off as meat of another animal. They're aware of what they're eating. You know, it's, is it a delicacy or is it? I really don't know, but the, our group, ADF group, um, they say it's not a cultural thing, but it is cultural thing because mm. a lot of people own the dog farm mm-hmm. or mm-hmm. dog meat market. Mm-hmm. Or dog, a poshin tang that is called, that is a dog meat soup restaurant. It's a, so it's a whole restaurant of yes dog meat mm-hmm. the soup. Mm-hmm. Ay ay ay. Um, so let's um, kind of go back to why dogs themselves are a compelling target. Um, is it <laughs> is it is it culture? I'm trying to uh, to wrap my mind around. It. Like, is it cultural? Is it taste? Is it what 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 is so compelling about um, dog meat? You know, I believe because they're they're smaller animals than cows, uh, and they have a sufficient amount of meat on their bodies. It's easier, uh, less expensive to breed them to raise them. Uh, you know, back to your question: Is it a delicacy for some people? It must be because you know, there's a, a restaurant that we were protesting outside of a dog meat restaurant. It was like a third generation, you know, family run business of people who go in there to consume uh, dog meat and dog soup. So, um, yeah. Is it primarily soup? Is that the... (laughs) Primarily soup and then potions as well and then for Mm -hmm. their meat, yep. Wow. Um, So we've kind of covered the biggest problem areas in the world, and then I'm wondering, you know, I was... uh, My biggest surprise about this was finding out how many states in the United States um, either condone it, eat it themselves. Are they eating it themselves? They're manufacturing it here because it's legal in some number of states you were telling me. Yes, absolutely. So it is legal in 44 states within the U.S. to slaughter and consume dogs and cats. So there's nothing that can be done about it is legal. Uh, it is not It is not legal in California, Hawaii, Georgia, Virginia, um, and a couple of other ones. New York and Michigan. So those are the six states where those it, actually it aren't was. the states I would pick. <laughs> yeah, I know. <laughs> some of but, them, yes. Some of yeah, them. <laughs> yeah, but I'm glad to live in California, where we, you know, it is illegal here. So that's a good thing. Yeah. And so the in those 44 states, they are they are consuming it, or they are process they're doing everything they're, they're doing, doing, oh, everything. They're doing everything. everything they're doing all of it yes yeah so they'll breed them they'll um slaughter and they'll consume them so i believe that there are areas where it could be you know asian families in the united states um just like you would see a chinatown or something that this is what they do what they did back home and then they've brought this out here i believe for the most part yeah. unbelievable yeah um, and when they um, when they do it in the states, are they advertising it as dog meat, or are they passing it to consumers as something else? That's a great question uh, because in Bali they did uh, hide it, right? I don't probably most people are aware of that now. Thank goodness for undercover animal rights activists that brought that to the forefront attention. Um, in Bali, they did not know tourists were over there consuming dog meat skewers, thinking they're having chicken skewers or beef skewers. I didn't hear about that. Oh, when was okay. That? Yeah, uh, this was just me. recently. Yes, just recently. Um, a group of uh, activists uncovered that. So it was uh, something that 
did definitely made the news. And I think it's taught, you know, certainly Americans that uh, you might want to look into the potential of vegetarianism because I don't really want to go somewhere. I don't eat meat anymore, but if I did, I wouldn't want to accidentally be eating an animal that I know is a pet that I have back home that I love and adore, would do anything for. Right. You know? Right. I don't know if you've heard this, but there's... um uh, calamari is often not calari- calamari. Have you heard? I did not hear that. No. <laughs> oh, gosh. Calamari in certain restaurants is very often pig rectum. Wow. And it has the same consistency. It has the same, once it's wow. bleached out, there was a big radio story on that. And so all of this has sort of made me wonder, like, what yeah. are we eating when we think we're eating something else? You know, is it, um, yes. because really, I mean, w- once you pass something off as meat, you know, it could be anything, right? Absolutely. That's a great point, too. I think that helps us in our efforts um, because for me and I think for other people as well, once you learn about the dog meat trade, it takes you to that next step of no longer eating animals with two or four legs. So knowing information like that really is beneficial because there's a lot of people out there fighting for for that cause as well, um, for people to properly label what is going into our food and or changing our eating habits and doing the right things for our animals, you know. Right, right. I remember when I was growing up in Seattle and the Chinese restaurant that we went to all the time was shut down when they found a cat carcass in the kitchen. And obviously it wasn't passed off as cat on the menu, but that is what was happening. And you do kind of wonder how often that goes on, you know. Yes, that's a, that's a great point. And you know, when I was a kid, we'd always hear the jokes about that, right? Like, don't don't eat at a Chinese restaurant because they're going to have dog and cat. And then as we grow up and we learn about it, um, and you find out that that's very real. And, mm-hmm. and that is the nice thing about social media for all its you know positives and negatives. We we know so much more now. It's not that our intelligence has blossomed. It's just that the information is available to us you know, on a conveyor belt now, right, where you used to have to go to the library to look up things, and now everything comes at you regardless if you're, you know, looking for it or not sometimes. Right. Yeah. Right. Too much of it sometimes. (laughs) (laughs) I know. (laughs) Sorry, Marie. (laughs) Sometimes I'm like, did I want to know that? (laughs) It's good to know, but did I want to (laughs) know? For sure. You are tuned in to Real People of Orange County on KUCI 88.9 FM in Irvine. Today we are talking about the dog meat trade. My guests are Shelley Fitzpatrick and Jessica Kim. Um, Jessica, so going back to kind of your grandmother's philosophy or her experiences, do you think it was more, you know, well, that was just the time or that was my culture? Like, did did she also look back on it and say, oh, my God, I can't believe you know, that I kind of can't believe that's what we ate when I was growing up. Or was she like, you know, that's just the way of life. That's just what just we the do. way we, it is like It's that. just like, yeah. like that. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Right. Right. Mm-hmm. I mean, it is interesting to talk about this in sort of cultural norms. Right. And what's I mean, you know, 200 years from now, people could look back and they'd be like, you ate cows. What, what, mm-hmm. were, you <laughs> <laughs> what were you thinking? But yes. there is something very difficult i think not just for americans but you know i mean dogs feel more intelligent they feel incredibly empathic they feel loyal you know all of the kind of um human sweet human characteristics that you identify with people or what dogs have i mean they're they're um and i I don't know why we can't engender that sort of um sympathy for cattle or 
That's coming. Yeah, but I think it's yeah, yeah, I think it's coming. It is coming. Mm -hmm. Yes, there's there's some wonderful groups out there right now, and uh, some fantastic documentaries that are coming out, you know, on that subject that will help to raise the awareness uh, because we used to be blind to what we were consuming, and now it's coming out like what you spoke about, right? About with the um, calamari, it's coming out what really happens in these slaughterhouses and how it goes from there to your plate and it's not humane it's just absolutely hands down not humane and if people see that then you know I call it a light bulb moment they can decide whether or not to make that change Um, people have different reasons for stopping eating meat but that's definitely one of them that will thrust them into it for sure if they watch some of those documentaries which is another thing about the information generation. And you're right, 50 yeah. years ago, you wouldn't have any idea what goes on a slaughterhouse. There wouldn't be any access to that. And so, yeah, yeah. more information is good information, I guess. Definitely. So yeah. let's talk a little bit about kind of what happens. When you went to South Korea, you saw these markets. There are specific dog markets, I'm now understanding. Um, can you talk a little bit about that and what they kind of what these places look like, what they feel like, and your experiences there? Sure. Um, you know, when I first went to Moran Market, which is one of the, one of the, you know, many notorious, infamous meat markets, when I first got out of the car to uh, look at the market, obviously I was very frightened, you know, first time in South Korea, first time ever going, you know, and uh, I wasn't sure I wanted to go, but I knew I had to go. So uh, just pulling up in the parking lot, it's like almost like we would see here with organic markets on the weekends kind of thing, but these are more permanent structures, and they're there, you know, every day. And what's interesting is in some of these markets, they you could walk down one row, and they will have live dogs in these red cages that probably anyone following this will know what the red cages looks like because they have seen it on, you know, social media. So you could go down one row and see that and know what's about to happen to these animals and then go down another row and there's fruits and vegetables. Wow. It's perplexing. It's absolutely perplexing. So it's a food market. Yes. Of li- with live dogs. Yes. Yeah. And cats. And, and when I got out of that car that first day to go to the Moran market, I could hear cats in cars in the parking lot in the butcher's cars, you know, and I could just hear them meowing and, and crying and that's... That's the first thing I got hit with, right? And these are cats that had already been bought, or these were cats that were they coming were, into the market? A great question. These were cats that um, that the butchers own, and so when uh, if a customer would come up and say, we want a cat, then they would go to the car, and they would then bring the cat in and kill. It, at Moran, they used to have it uh, live dogs displayed, and then they would do the killing. They've since removed the live dogs from the front viewing, but they are still inside of the of the buildings, so people can still come up and have that done. Um, the so the killings th- take place on the premises? Yes. For the customer? Yes. And then in addition, they do have uh, pre-meat that's already on display. So, so the other thing is you could walk up as you're walking down the market. You can see uh, see-through clear display glasses cases that have the dog meat. And they're just like we would see here when we go down, you know, an aisle and we see filet mignon or something or a hamburger. It's the same thing. The the biggest difference is when you see that and you know that that's a dog. It's it's, it's extremely heartbreaking. And the smell is, is quite different than any smell you've ever smelled before. 
you know it's just it's it's horrific um and is it dogs and cats and other animals or is it specifically dogs and cats um, yeah, rabbits 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 yeah. live chicken too mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. we were in uh, ecuador i don't know five or six years ago and ecuador and peru the big thing is a guinea pig and um when you when you eat a guinea pig, which I didn't do, but <laughs> if you eat a guinea pig, it looks very much. You cannot mistake it for what it is. I mean, it looks yeah. exactly like what it is. Yep. And um, I don't know if that's true here as well. I mean, if it's in a soup, I guess you wouldn't identify it maybe as easily. But it sounds like if you're buying it, you would. And if you're buying it from the display cases, you can you know what it is. Yeah. Mm-hmm. What do you think of the soup or the the rest? Do you think people notice it? I've never had <laughs> that soup, <laughs> but uh, that is sliced, so you don't know what yeah. the you don't know what that, it is. That is dog, you know. yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, so touchy subject. Uh, more disclaimers, but I also was surprised to learn um, through talking with you. Th- I, I, for some reason, when we first started talking about it, I just imagined much like you know. I'm trying to sanitize it in my head as much as I can, so I'm just kind of picturing you know fast and easy um, um, slaughter of the animal, but that is, I guess, not what happens. No, no, absolutely not. Um, and that's that's part of the, of the big fight, right? So dogs and cats are not even considered livestock in Korea, so it's even lower than that. If you can get lower, it is. So they don't have to abide by a lot of these rules and, and laws, so they are able to torture the dogs, uh, boil the dogs alive to remove their fur. They are able to beat the dogs, um, electrocute them, set them on fire, hang them, you know, and these are some of the pictures that, uh, that people do see out there, you know, on social media. So that's, that's the biggest part of the fight is just how they are treated in order to get to someone's plate is absolutely wrong. And, and we're just, trying to raise that awareness and we're so grateful for you today in, mm-hmm. in helping us to do that so that people will see just just how bad this is it's it goes above and beyond you know meat consumption and all of that is in the service of the dog releasing some sort of um, adrenaline or something that tenderizes the meat is that what's happening i mean what what's the purpose of this it's um it, the purpose of it is is really a few things so south korea is hot in the summer, it is crazy hot. Mm-hmm. Uh, too. Hot and humid, <laughs> right? We uh, Jessica and I sweat a heck of a lot while we were there. And uh, so, what they believe is that one, they believe many things, many myths, many superstitions. And one of them is that it will, by consuming the dog meat or the blood of the dog, it will cool their blood and make make their bodies cooler during this hot, you know, summer time. They also believe what really? Y- yeah. Yeah. That dog meat cools your blood? Yeah, That's the myth. their meat or their blood will cool their blood and make it cooler in summer. And it is extremely hot, but uh, that's just just so many myths that are so incorrect. And is that um, is that myth true of, you know, is there something that torturing the animals serves that particular myth? Or is or just any dog meat would, would help you cool down in the summer? Well, the torture of the animals is a little bit different. When they torture the animal, they believe that that makes the the meat more tender. They also believe, a lot of the older 
you know, like Korean men believe that it's going to help with um, sexual fertility, you know, with male fertility. Uh, they believe it's, you know, stronger, better from their male parts. So they, they of be- course they do. <laughs> you know, <laughs> <laughs> of course they do. Of course they do. Of course they do. So, so that is part of it. You know, when we've seen people on the streets of Korea and uh, we've seen activists talking to them in Korean and we get translators afterwards to find out, hey, what did that guy say? Because he was heading towards the, the dog meat restaurant and he would say, this is why I'm eating it. You know, this is what it's going to do for me. This is the benefit. Why wouldn't I? Right. So, but usually older gentlemen um, and women eat it as well. But, but yeah, the torture, even the North Korean president had said and told his people how great it is and, and it's much better when, when they're tortured. You know? Well, of course he did. Yeah, of course he did. I know. He's crazy. <laughs> yes. Uh, unbelievable. You are tuned in to Real People of Orange County on KUCI 88.9 FM in Irvine. We are talking today about the um, tragedy of the dog meat trade um, prevalent in South Korea. My guests today are, are um, Shelley Fitzpatrick and her friend Jessica Kim in from South Korea to talk about this important issue. Um, so let's let's kind of go back into your um, trip and how you decided to make that trip. Jessica, were you living in South Korea when when Shelley came over? Yes. Okay. Did you invite her over? <laughs> <laughs> if she had known me, she would have. Maybe. Is that where you <laughs> is that where you met? Was was when you went over? We did. Yes. Yes. Okay. Uh, so we were both at an anti Bachno walk. Um, for it was uh, with with Yoon Green, who is the leader of the anti dog meat friends, and that's who Jessica was referencing earlier. So I started finding his post on social media, and I would watch him and just a group of wonderful activists walk through the meat markets, holding up their protest signs and and uh, you know giving chants. And I just thought I have to be there. I just absolutely I have to be right there in the middle of it. I want to I want to support them because it's so difficult what they're doing in these these walks that Jessica does now on a more regular basis, it, it takes a lot of strength, you know, to do that because what she sees and, and, and smells and, and talking to people that not everybody gets it. There's a lot of foes out there, you know, it's not all friends. So, so when we were, when we were walking with the group, it's, it's this beautiful thing where we don't have to speak the same language. I, I got lucky with Jessica though, who knows <laughs> English, but you don't have to speak the same language to to know that you're fighting for the right cause and that we're all concerned animal lovers and we want to see this stopped. So so that is how we met doing that that 5-mile walk there. Yeah. Have the how long have the protests been going on, Jessica? Is this been um a recent phenomenon of of people kind of waking up to this problem or oh, they've been doing it for 3 years, I heard. Okay. Yeah. Okay. And then relatively yeah. new. I'm really, yeah. I mean, mm-hmm. yeah. And are, it sounds like the dogs are mostly bred for this as opposed to picking up stray dogs off the street or kind yeah, of a combination? Yeah, combination. There mm-hmm. there are a lot of dog meat farm and also people s- steal the dogs, the pet dogs, and then sell it to the restaurants or meat market. I wonder if that is what's happening in the U.S. Like, I wonder... I mean, in the U.S., it has to be much more underground for these 40. I, I mean, I can't wrap my mind around it being 44 states. For some reason, I just thought it was like four states or something, four crazy states. <laughs> we do have those. And we all know who you are. Yes. <laughs> but for it to be, you know, yeah. I don't know, you know, what I can't do math very fast, but that's a lot of our union. <laughs> yes. 
But yes. here it has to be much more underground. So I'm wondering yeah. if when your dog goes missing, if you have to kind of, I mean, here in Laguna, we're worried about coyotes, but if your dog goes <laughs> missing, um, you know, yeah. in Texas, um, you know, you have to, no, I'm, t- I'm not trying to call out Texas. <laughs> um, but yeah, I wonder if they are bred in these states or if, if it is also there a combination of, of lost dogs, um, bred, you know, for it dogs or, you know, how it, I don't know. I don't know if you've, you've learned how this works in the U.S., but it's. Not not so much. It's just what we what we hear about with respect to the U.S. But the the stolen pets is definitely more prevalent in South Korea. So you'll see pictures on social media, or you'll see it live in person in Korea. But there are trucks that have all of these dogs, you know, on the back of the truck. And sometimes what will happen is you will see them, and they'll still have their dog collar on. So, oh. yeah. So you know they've been taken. You know they've been taken absolutely, and the the dog meat breeders in South Korea, these dogs are basically bred and brought up in a very small cage that they're not allowed to really leave. They will go to the bathroom in there. They're served trash for meals and the cage is just slightly bigger than they are. So there's just, that is their entire life. It is just to eat the trash, to grow up, and then to be tortured and consumed. And when they are in these um, markets, they're obviously staying in the markets. I mean, the dogs are, they're not going home at night to something else. I mean, it sounds like they're just staying in the cages kind of 100% of the time. At the meat markets? Yeah, or the, or at the meat markets. At the meat markets, they do take them. Oh, they do they take, do take, take them, them with them because probably, I mean, certainly Somebody us animal them, activist right? rights, <laughs> activists, we take them in a heartbeat. Yeah. Well, I, I was going to ask you about that, if, you, yeah. if that was an option to. It's, it's part of it. You know, it's. This has been an ongoing uh, lesson for me learning about this trade. And when I first heard about people buying dogs, my first inclination was, oh, that's not right. You should be saving. But once you get in there and you really see what's going on for yourself, you'll do anything. You know, it's not a fair fight. You're not, this is not a fair fight. So if you have to go steal a dog or you see a dog that's, there's a video out right now of a dog that's being basically dragged through the street, you know, and beaten and about to go into a, a meat market. And when you see this stuff, if there's an animal rights activist out there that wants to get involved and stop it, then you do it, you know, you risk it and you, you just go for it. Because again, it's, it's not a fair fight. It's so hard for, you know, I'm, I always try to get into people's heads and, you know, see things from the other point of view as much as I can and I'm just baffled as to how you can actively torture anything I don't know anyway that's <laughs> there's no answer to that question I know so it's, yeah. it's kind of worth um you know not, not worth talking about but um unbelievable um so so talk a little bit about that trip to South Korea a little bit more because you went by yourself mm-hmm. I assume were yeah. there other Americans that went with you or cuz that that's a big decision in and of itself to go to South Korea by yourself yes no friends you don't speak the language I assume nope <laughs> <laughs> I wish I did it would have been a little would've bit helped. easier but uh <laughs> but no Google Translate was a lot of fun while I was there we we had a blast but no I just I went to Korea. It just kind of started after having the protest here in Laguna Beach. You know, I knew I needed to do more. And so a little while later, you know, maybe a couple of weeks, I went home and I knew of Bachnell coming up, uh, which was in July. And so I just I just went online and I just booked a flight and I booked my hotel and 
my wife came home and I said, guess what? And she said, what? And I said, well, I'm going to South Korea. And she just said, you know, I'm not surprised at all. So mm-hmm. she's known of my passion and just how much this, this hurts, you know, anyone that gets involved. It just, it really hurts your heart. So, so yeah, I just, I got on a plane about a week later and I went out there. I did know Yoon of Anti-Dog Meat through social media. So I just kept asking him, okay, are you sure you're having this protest on this date? Because I wanted to make sure I was there on the right dates because that was the goal, right? The goal was to be there for all the protests and for the events that were going on. And um, so, yeah, I just got on the plane and I had my schedule all mapped out. There was a pretty much a protest almost every day during that time frame. There was a big event by CARE, who is the coexistence of, um, you know, animal rights out there, very large animal organization. And they had a lot of vendors that were there talking about what they're doing for animals and for mammals. So that was really good to be around like-minded people. We were able to talk to the public that would come in and, you know, go up to the booths. So that was good. But for myself, yes, I was the only American there. I I think it kind of, when I, when I was first outside of the anti-Bocknell walk and I, you know, Yoon gave me one of his his jackets. So, you know, you kind of know who's walking by and what they stand for. So I put it on and people were kind of looking at me like, okay, this is friend or foe. You know, who, Mm -hmm. who is this American here? Right? Like we just, they didn't know. And I don't blame them, but I just, I kept quiet and I started, you know, once the march started, I started walking with them and sweating with them. And I was going to ask, so it's obviously very hot. It's it's insanely hot. It's I uh, yeah. I thought I could wear the same shirt maybe another day, like in during that trip. No, you can't even wear it the next hour. You can't. It's so bad. <laughs> it's 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 so bad. And I've lived in Florida before, so I know heat and humidity, right? But uh, as I started walking with them, you know, people started coming up to me, and they just I think they realized, okay, she's one of us. She's a part of us. And so they, they were so kind and so amazing. I met some beautiful people, Jessica being one of them, just the kindest hearts, most giving people. And, and people started coming up and just thanking me for being there, thanking me for, for participating, you know. And a lot of times I was a little nervous, so maybe I'd have, like, the, the protest board in front of my face because I wasn't trying to... Uh, overly announced that here's an American I just wanted to be another body in the crowd to to, you know extend the size of the crowd and let people know that this is wrong and and that it needs to stop how big was the crowd Uh, on the walking protest we probably had maybe 200 300 people roughly what do you think 150 150 yeah so it was and what was nice about South Korea too is as I was watching people come up uh, they weren't all with Yoon's group right they had on their own t-shirts so maybe it was a yellow t-shirt so they were with their own animal rights group or it was a purple shirt so what was great was to see that everybody was coming together and and that's one of the things here in the states that we all have to just continue working on and and we're really starting that doing a great job of just unity right it's that's how we're going to solve this problem with the government one but two with with all of us activists on the ground and there's there's just such great people out there you know, just having that unity, it's, uh, it's supporting everybody, not just not just me, not just Jessica, not just all these other great people out there, but just supporting everybody, get aware, share the information, and, and just help to stop it. Were there any points where you, either, either of you, felt threatened that the other side was, uh, you know, in your face or doing anything that made you feel uncomfortable? No, we, we never, we never. 
were you come to me. But the Mr. Uh, Yoon got yeah, were beaten by beaten by the dog meat uh, association. He was yeah. beaten. Mm-hmm, yeah. yeah, beaten up by the yeah. So he was there protesting, and he was yeah a year ago. Yeah, and they ju- just dragged him out, and mm-hmm. wow. And then yeah, so I always want to always there are police. Yeah, yeah, escorting us. But some at that time, the less police out there. Or I don't know. We yeah. always yeah, report the demonstration date, time. So mm-hmm. there must be police mm-hmm. escorting. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Aye, aye, aye. Shelley, did you yeah. uh, y- you never felt threatened or in danger? Um, not myself personally. No, not during that time. At the Moran Market, when they had a protest outside of that one day. Uh, there was a confrontation. One of the uh, female meat butcher came out to the crowd, and she just wanted to get into it. So she started fighting with with uh, one of my activist friends there on the ground. You know, speaking in Korean, I have no idea what they were saying, but I'm sure they were just, uh, you know, yelling at one another. Maybe that's but for the best. Yeah, probably. <laughs> but um, what I have heard though is that you know the butchers feel that this is their livelihood, right? And they say, how can you pick? a dog over me like how come this animal is more important than my livelihood so that's sort of their their take and their fight on their side you know it's it's so hard to uh, i mean i you know i'm sympathetic to well, i'm not really sympathetic to that <laughs> point of view but you know i guess i can see it um until the torture starts and then yeah. you're you know I don't know. All that flies out the window. That it, it, it just seems absolutely so inhumane and, and yeah, har- incomprehensible, right? To to wrap your mind around. Absolutely, absolutely. Um, so, uh, Shelley, tell me when you decided to become a vegetarian and um, kind of how that came about. Sure. So it, it definitely came. It definitely stemmed from learning about the dog meat trade. It, it absolutely happened from that. From probably the first few pictures I saw. And then I just sort of felt like, okay, I'm going down this path now and will fight and support and support others' efforts, you know, against the dog meat trade. And, and it just really, it's, I, again, I call it a light bulb moment. And I, it hit for me, my light bulb moment was I can't go to South Korea and tell people, not tell them, but I can't go there and say, you shouldn't be doing this, but then come home and have a hamburger, you know, have cow or chicken or turkey. I, I can't do that. It didn't sit right with me. So I just, I stopped and that was it. And I've, I've never gone back. I don't ever plan on ever going back. And, and also seeing things like I saw a documentary, What the Health, which is a great mm-hmm. documentary. And that one really shows you what's going on, who's behind the scenes of all of this. And when you watch a, a documentary like that, you see things like, you know, cage-free chickens. You, you think you probably think beautiful thoughts, right? Like, oh, they're just in a beautiful little farm and they have plenty of land and they're well-fed and well-taken care of. And then you see the undercover, you know, exposés that they are not. They are all crammed in to these uh, one big cage, let's say, and they're standing on top of other dead chickens. They're fighting for whatever feed they can get. It's it's really a, it's a terrible environment for them. It's a stressful environment. So why would I want to go home and then consume that? You know, and the cows are even worse. The cows, what they go through, you know, I've seen more pictures and videos on that and what they endure. I mean, any animal, animals have the best sense of uh, smell, right? So 
they really pick up on these things. They, their senses are so keen that if an animal in front of them at the slaughterhouse has just been killed, they've already seen it, they've already heard it, they've been hearing it, they've been smelling it for quite a while. And so as they go up, that's no animal wants to die. Right. No living being wants to die. And, and this is what they're enduring. So I'm now a big proponent of vegetarianism, veganism for some people. It's whatever works for you. Even if it's, let's say, you know, you don't, uh, maybe people want to only eat meat once a week, you know, or once a month. You can still look at it as you're helping to save an animal by choosing not to. Or you're cutting back on instead of five chickens this week, you've maybe only had one. My preference is for zero for people, but <laughs> right. it, it's a process, you know. Everything helps. Yeah, Everything helps, absolutely. Yeah. yeah. Jessica, I don't want to put you on the spot, but are you also vegetarian? Yes. Okay. Okay. Has, has that been a lifelong choice, or is that relatively new with the education as well? well? Pr- as a health reason, I, since I was li- uh, not li- young, yeah. uh, I didn't eat red meat. So, But the chicken, still, I consider meat. So I was pescatarian I see uh, I eat seafood mm-hmm. but no meat yeah and then yeah eventually I'm gonna be vegan I'm sorry I still eat seafood but <laughs> <laughs> eventually I'll stop you're Japanese it's hard to get <laughs> 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 that would be hard for me if I if you said no more sushi I would really have a <laughs> really have a difficult yeah. time mm-hmm. Um, so you called out a couple of docu- or one documentary, and mm-hmm. I was going to ask you about that. If there are ways that you have found um, to educate yourself and, and for our listeners to educate themselves, you know, particularly great books you've read or documentaries that you have liked that, that have brought um, a lot of information into, you, into your head. <laughs> yeah, yeah, for sure. I mean, What the Health is, is definitely a great one. There's one called Earthlings. I haven't personally seen it yet, but I have friends that have seen it. And uh, one friend of ours... Uh, had said, you know, you've got to see this. She said, this is what turned me into being a vegetarian. So that's supposed to be a great film, too. That's on my list next. Um, What's it called? Earthlings? Earthlings. Earthlings, L-I-N-G-S. okay. Yes, apologies, yes. Gotcha. Uh, okay. Earthlings. And then a new one that's being launched right now is called The End of Meat. And oh, that okay. one is definitely about, you know, the cows, the chickens, the turkeys, uh, people who went undercover to show us what's really going on in the world. And then then we can truly make an informed decision at that time after seeing that documentary. What do you say to people um, who I might be married to? No. <laughs> what do you say to people who say, I just don't want to know. Like, I really, um, I don't, I don't want to know. You know, it's, it's going to impact my life too much. It's too painful to hear about or it's too disruptive to, to kind of my psyche. Um, are, there, are there things you tell them? That's a great question. You know, it, it for me, it started even with my own family at home, right? So I, I know I've bugged my wife uh, on many occasions because you just, you get so passionate about it. And it's like, oh, you know, I'll be in the house saying, I'll never eat chicken again. I'll never eat this. And I can't believe what they're doing to the dogs. And even with my, my mother, it's the same thing. It's, uh, you know, hey, honey, why don't you just calm down a little bit? Take, you know, take a little backseat just for a minute. Just give us a break. It'll, it'll come to us when it does. And and that's what's really happened, you know, I have found with people. So even with Nat, it's she's just no longer eating, you know, two-legged or four-legged animals. But she had to come to that realization on her own. Yeah. Uh, it's not something you can force. And with my, you know, with my mom, 
you know, she'll hopefully go down that path. Uh, my dad, probably not. You know, sometimes, too, the older generation, they're so set in their ways that even when you tell them, they do say that. They say, I don't want to know. I just want to keep uh, doing what I'm doing. But my personal opinion is is that you should know. You should absolutely know because it's health benefits, too. Like, like Jessica said, you know, that might have been her light bulb moment is, I want to do this for my health. It's the added benefit is that you're not consuming an animal and so at night you go to sleep and you feel good about it you feel good about yourself so it's it's twofold what do you think are your yeah. kids uh vegetarian jessica no, my daughter is a vegetarian but my son is a meat lover men are difficult right <laughs> <laughs> have you noticed um you know you you mentioned health benefits have you noticed changes in how you feel and kind of uh, just changes in your life from giving it up? What do you think? I feel lighter. My body is lighter. Yeah. yeah. I, I'd kind of say the same, too. It's, it is it is a different feeling. It's, um, you know, I think at first it takes a little bit of time to, to get used to it. I, I think what's ingrained in us is, you know, this meat will give you health. It will give you energy. And I, I believe that's a myth, just like the dog meat superstitions and myths. I, I believe it's the same thing here. That's my personal opinion is that why would an animal that had just gone through this torture and been slaughtered and is now dead, how is that possibly healthy for me? Where are the nutrients in that? Yeah. I'm just a little perplexed about that. So, Education is a good thing, and I I do think that we, you know, we always think that whatever time we live in is the end of times, and, you know, all the information we're going to accumulate is whatever is out there, and obviously untrue and uh you're right i think as we learn more um all all things will be revealed too late probably (laughs) (laughs) and um let's talk a little bit about what other what people can do if they hear this show they want to get involved one thing is to educate yourself on uh, you know the kind of problematic aspects of eating meat um, beyond that, are there things that if you live in the U.S. and you're really concerned about this issue, you can do? Absolutely. If you live in the U.S., uh, you know, one of the first things you can do is start signing petitions. There's a plethora of petitions that are out there, um, you know, on the Internet that you can find. So I highly suggest signing those. And if uh, there are other documentaries, there's, there is one that's coming out, um, another expose undercover of the South Korea dog meat market called the dog meat professionals we're hoping to actually help the um the producer of that film screen in la hopefully in a couple of weeks so we're just kind of talking right now but um you know watching these documentaries while i was in south korea i i I take this all back now you asked about another american and i for apologies i forgot for a second andy don't kill me um (laughs) we're holding you accountable yes (laughs) but uh, i met with andy and ryan out there of open eye pictures and they were out doing a documentary on the south korea uh, dog meat trade i had no idea they were there i just uh, a friend sent me a message while i was over there and she said you got to meet with these guys and i said absolutely i said i'll tell them everything that's going on who to connect with whatever they need above and beyond the you know information they already have so they're working on one right now. It's going to be called Dog War Film. Um, so that's mm-hmm. going to be out there as well. And I think that's going to be probably a little bit easier for people to see. Uh, the uh, the other expose, I think, is because it's so much, you know, very undercover, might be a little tough for people. But I think it's still very good for people to see. We have to know this. You know, we have to really see what's going on to help. 
um, but those are definitely a, a couple of good ones that are out. Other things, there are lots of rallies that go on around the world, right? You don't have to just live in Orange County. You can be in New York. Uh, Susan Song puts together a lot of uh, demonstration. There's there's a lot of people that are um, that are out there. So if you can just be another body, use your voice, you know, raise the awareness because as you're talking to people about the dog meat trade, it's kind of twofold. You get you get uh, kind of bang for your buck really is because then some people will say well what about cows and then you go right into the vegetarianism conversation with them and you can educate people there as well so it's it's highly worth it you know it's a great cause and then um, there are some some bills that are out there that we're trying to get passed right now so uh, the first one is hr 1406 this is one where we are trying to make it illegal in every state in north america in the u.s i should say and we're working to make it illegal. And if this passes, then if someone is caught doing this in, in America, then they would be fined up to $2,500 and they would go to prison or go to jail for one year. Wow. Yeah, so if people can talk to their you know local congressmen, uh, mayors, whomever, anybody to raise that awareness. And then the, the second... Is that, just mm-hmm. let me back up, is that um, encompassing dogs and cats and any other animals, or is that specific I to dogs? Yeah. I wish. It's just <laughs> dogs and cats, okay. yes. Yeah. Not like rabbits. <laughs> no, no. Okay, yeah. okay. That's good Next, to know. hopefully. <laughs> yeah, right, 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 right. Okay, yeah. good to know. Yeah. I'm sorry, keep no, going. No, you're good. Um, and then the uh, the other one right now that people are working on, um, the first one for here locally, I mean, you can always Google this stuff too, but I know like Nom Alley is doing a... Uh, uh, presentation tonight on it. So for listeners that want to know more about how they can help here in our backyard in the United States, then they could join NOM's uh, presentation tonight. I believe it's like 6 o'clock. You can just face go on Facebook and type in HR 1406 to, to get the details around that. And then uh, another one would be the uh, HR 401, and that is the one where we are essentially urging the other countries, specifically in Asia, to ban the the dog meat trade. And uh, they they recently did it in Taiwan. So I know that the Korean leaders have gone to Taiwan and they've been having discussions about, hey, how did you do this, right? Because it's not an easy task. So um, so they're working on that as well. Very cool. Yeah, I mean, there are so many. Um, once you start down the animal rights activist line, I would think there are so many issues to get involved in. I mean, I'm just thinking in Mexico, you have, and, and the United States, you have cockfighting and you have yep. all kinds of inhumane, various um, issues that you could take on and tackle. Yeah, the the, the last thing, too, is, um, uh, and I forgot to mention, but the uh, there are a lot of people and organizations that will bring these dog meats, uh, not dog meats, certainly won't do that, but they will bring dogs that are bred for dog meat to the United States. So there's like SCN Sanctuary, you know, Canine Rescue, Canine Korean Rescue, uh, and many others, too, that are great organizations. So if you want to rescue a dog meat dog then you can do that and there's there's a lot of people out there that really want to do that because they just they feel that that's their way of of helping and giving back so so those are options too you can just google hey you know how to rescue a korean dog and then just validate um validate the organization that's really neat yeah are is there a risk in doing that like are these dogs um prone to any i mean i imagine they they've obviously been very ill cared for but are they are I don't know what risks would be associated with that, but are there um, 
problems? <laughs> <laughs> yes. I, I mean, they uh, with some organizations, they may just, you know, uh, have them go through all the necessary vet and medical uh, requirements to get on a plane and to be transferred to the to the states. And um, but also they some of orga- some of the organizations will work with trainers to get them trained because some, some of these poor babies are just so scared and so terrified and afraid of human touch that it takes a while and so they do have trainers that will train them and then get them ready and prepped and then yes if you're going to take in one of those dogs um, depending upon its background and how long it was in that environment there could be situations where you just you just show that baby as much love as you can you know and if you need to if it extends beyond that then there's great trainers out here as well that can certainly help you know that is so cool. Yeah. I didn't know these existed. So how do you find those? Um, those you can also, uh, you can go on to Facebook and look those up and or you could go, um, you could go to koreandogs.org as well. It's, uh, it's headed by Jenny Wu. She's the founder of that and a good friend of mine now. And uh, she's been fighting for this cause for a while here in the States. Uh, she's Korean. And she's got great information on her sites, but you could also just just Google it as well, and or go on Facebook and just type in, you know, I want to adopt uh, a dog meat dog from from South Korea. That is really neat. Yeah, we are totally out of time. We're drawing down on our time. We have like one minute left. Jessica, can I any last minute thoughts? Things you want to leave listeners with? Um, things we didn't touch on that we should have. <laughs> we just yeah, the Korean people are very ignorant. That's that. They believe dog meat are healthy. When you have some cold, then when you eat dog meat, then you get better. Really? Right away. The dog meat contains a lot of antibiotics and some medication. That's the belief. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So it's medicinal. Mm-hmm. So just, just you need to know really what it is. Just they say, oh, the dogs are different breed. They are for meat. They are not like our pet, like the Korean people say that. So just ignore those <laughs> morons. <laughs> so I wonder if that is like if there's like a dog meat um, lobby that is just disseminating false information to people. To mm-hmm. I, mean, I would imagine there is. Mm-hmm. Right. Yeah. I don't know what a lobby would be in South mm-hmm. Korea, but there's got to be some sort of equivalent of that, right? That's um, that's amazing. That's amazing. Ladies, you were both wonderful. Shelley, any last minute words or? I, I second what Jessica said. It's just uh, a lot of myths out there and superstitions. Just if people can help us fight for a great cause, fight against the dog meat trade is greatly appreciated, and try to go vegetarian. Absolutely. Yeah. Ladies, this was a huge treat. Thanks so much for taking the time today. Our honor. Thank you, Marie. That's all the time we have for today. We will be right back here with you next Thursday afternoon. I will be with... Um, a new up-and-coming Laguna Beach congressman. He's going to run against Rohrbacher. Let's wish him all the luck in the world. Harley Ruda is going to uh, be on with me next Thursday. So until next time, thanks so much for joining us. Have a great, great day. And stay tuned for more uh, talk radio here on KUCI 88.9 FM in Irvine.